going to start this morning on, on a little series I plan on doing on the fruits of the Spirit. And if you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 22, I want to show you something this morning. God is a good God, amen? And He has a lot to teach us. You know, I'm, I'm going to share something. Let me, let me find my spot first. There's just something God spoke to me this morning, and, I, and, and it was something that uh, He... Uh, he, he laid out in my heart. Listen, we're, we're in restless times in America. Amen? We're restless times in the church. I'm going to find my spot after walking in. Galatians 5 and, 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 and verse 22. Hallelujah. I should have marked my spot. I got, I'll keep my big Bible. See, my eyes are getting a little bit uh, dimmer. <laughs> I'm getting older and I'm trying. Huh? I got, oh, Galatians 5, I got it. Help me, Lord. Galatians 5, verse 22, and I'm going to show you something this morning. Now, Paul is writing this to the Galatian church because there is something about a Christian that has to be provident or, or evident. I'm learning that every day. Uh, I can call myself a Christian till I'm blue in the face, but if I don't have the fruits of the Spirit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the world is looking for something right now. Society is looking for something. They can't find it in the government. They can't find it in so-called churches. They can't find it because everybody's busy doing their own thing, their own opinion, their own wisdom. Uh, as a Christian, these things have to be in your life. And I'm going to read them. I'm just going to talk about one, but I'm going to read the list of them for you, okay? Because I want to talk about them in the next few weeks. And if you'd be smart, you'd write it down or, or scratch your Bible or something. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit have to be in a believer. The Bible said we don't walk by flesh, but by the Spirit. Come on. The flesh brings death. The Spirit brings life. Let me read verse 22, starting there. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I'm reading out the New King James this morning. Against, against such is no law. Now, what does that mean, against such? Listen, the law can't judge you if these things are in you. Because the law brings condemnation. The law brings judgment and guilt for sin, right? But when we have the things of God, I feel the presence of God already. When we have the things of God in our life, there's no law that can judge you because you are walking in the Spirit, right? I got to admit, I don't walk in the Spirit every day. Sometimes I got a lot of flesh to die with or get rid of, right? But to walk in the Spirit is to let the light of God shine through you. When the world's going to see you, do they see a, a loving person? Do they see a gentle person? Do they see a kind person? Do they see a patient person? Somebody that holds back their anger, self-control. If these things are not prominent in your life, there's something missing. Now, a lot of people, and I'm going to talk about the first one, love. A lot of people has taken that word and they've made it cover everything. You know, they use scriptures like the, uh, the love of God covers a multitude of sin. 
No, it covers a multitude of repentant sin. See, we want to leave the repent out. And, and, and the church has gotten in a place to say, well, whatever we do, God loves us. Whatever, we, sin is not important anymore because the love of God covers all of that. That's not true. The love of God never covered unrepentant sin. I want to talk about the true love of God, all right? This morning, I was talking to Janice, and, and, and God spoke to him hard. He said, son, and I don't know if you're going to adopt it for your own, it's for me, okay? But it ministered so much to me. He said, there's a couple of things, priorities you, you need to have in your life. First, love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And that has to be the center point of all you are in Christ. Because if, if you love the Lord, the love will pass on to someone else. There's going to be something happening when God's love's in you. It's going to bleed off. It's going to, it's going to affect other people. I thought love was just a word. I, told, I was telling Janice, I said, uh, what is love? Well, she said it's a feeling or emotion. I said, it's much more than that. Love is a commitment <laughs> and a devotion to someone else, right? So I could tell, I, I could tell her I love it I fall on the ground, but if I am not committed to her, well, her, her needs and committed to her spiritual well-being and to know that I am, listen, if I'm not going to take care of her and make sure everything she has is met, then my words are just empty, right? I can say I love her till the, till the cows come home, but it, it, it doesn't make any, it, it doesn't happen. Because if I'm not going to commit my life to her, then all I say is useless, right? You can say you love me all you want. If you don't pray for me, you, you don't love me. You, you, if you're not going to help me going through what I'm going through, it could be spiritual, it could be physical, it could be things that we need, then you don't love me. Uh-oh. <laughs> God's love is sure, no matter what you do. As long as you want to walk with him, there's nothing more powerful in your life than the love of God. Jude, James said it like, no, John said it like this at first, God is love. No, we, we hear that word. You, you, you've been in a, in a faith long enough. You heard people say, God is love. Okay, what does that mean? Well, he's just love. He just loves you. That's so empty, right? But what about the power of God's love? What, what, does God just love you? Just to say he loves you? Is there a power behind the love of God? Is God's love effective in your life? Is it demonstrated in your life? When I look in your face or you look in my face, do you see the love of God? Do you see God in me? Or do I see God in you? I was, I was telling Janice that this morning, you know what? The Lord spoke to my heart. There's three things you need to do, son, other than loving God. You got to love her. got to love your children and love your house. Love my house. What does that mean? This house. The people of God. The place where we worship. Because if I do that, and that's all I got to accomplish in life, then guess what? I have peace. Right? 
And what I mean by that is that where my life is just these things. I shouldn't strive to be rich because I see rich people all the day commit suicide. Come on, somebody. Dying of drugs. They can't find peace in their life because money's not the issue. Loving God. Loving my wife or husband. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I got my children. I die for them in a heartbeat, Ray. And not only that, loving you. Or loving God's house, this place. My wife will tell you, there's not a day I don't think about this place. Not a day I don't think about the things that need to be done here. Because every time we're out there doing something, the cars are passing. And they're saying, these people must love God because they're always out there cutting grass and fixing things and making sure it's right. People say, that don't mean nothing. Yes, it does mean something. Come on, somebody. Because if they can see our love for God's house, they're going to see, well, there's something there. They, 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 got, they got something in there that's powerful. We need it. We better go find out what's going on. We're living in a time where the love of God is not the same love the Bible talks about. Listen, when you are corrected by God, he loves you. When you're reproved by God, he loves you. Come on, somebody. When my children were growing up, they knew what my love was for them. Come here. And when they did something, they got it. Not because I wanted to hurt them. There's a lesson for sin. Right? Just because I whipped you don't mean I don't love you. I had a, boy, a, a man I knew. He's going to meet the Lord. He was wishing. He was, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't know how to control himself. And he would grab his children with anger. And he wanted to make them pay in vengeance. He was going to make them, you know what I'm saying? I told him one day, I said, you know what's going to You're only going to have bad kids, man. Because if you can't discipline them according to God's word, they'll turn mean. Come on. And they'll be angry. And they won't follow God because you're supposed to be a light to them. And if they see God, that's what God is. They want nothing to do with him if he's what you are. Didn't go, that fellowship didn't go very good. <laughs> you never discipline a child with vengeance. Come here, I'll just tear you let the skin off your body. That's not what God's telling us to do. And that's, that's not how God operates. When he corrects you, he corrects you in love. Because that's the love of God. He does it in a way where you come back to him. My God. And say, God, forgive me, Jesus. I'll, I'll get it right. Help me to live for you. He, does, he doesn't do it to where you turn away from him. The fruit of the love of God has to be in you, right? Turn with me to John, 1 John, chapter 4. If I ask you today, do you have the love of God in you? 
Oh, God loves me. That's not what I'm asking you. <laughs> is, is the love of God in you? Is it one of the fruits of your walking with him? How do you, how do you distribute love? Do you distribute based on how your mama taught you, or your daddy taught you, how your religion taught you? No, it's, it's distributed from the character of God, right? You have to look at how God is to understand how to love like God. I re- I've been reading this Bible for many years, and I've seen some things in this book. Listen, it's the love of God that destroyed the earth during Noah's day. People say, well, how how you figure that? No, because he loved Noah. <laughs> And he loved the human race so much that he, 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 he prepared an ark for the saving of Noah and his family. The only righteous people the book of Genesis ever mentions, listen to me, and, and then it was about 1,000, 1,100 years after Adam was created, was Abel and was Enoch and Noah. Those three were the only righteous people the, the book of Genesis mentions. What do you mean? 1,100 year, 1100 years passed, and that's, that's the only three. Even Seth that took Abel's place didn't say that he was saved. But God made a way that Noah, his wife, and his sons, and his their wives, eight people out of possibly almost thousands, maybe 100,000, maybe a lot of people. It don't take long for, to make a lot of people in 1,100 years. And God made a way that Noah and his family would be saved because God loved what he created so much that he wasn't going to let the devil destroy it. And it cost the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of souls that didn't want to serve God. That ark is a symbol of Christ. Because our ark is Jesus, right? Our ark is Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. My Lord, I don't know about you. We've heard that verses all our Christian life. Do you realize how much it takes to give up your child? Would you do it, Pamela? You wouldn't do it for me, and I don't blame you. I wouldn't do it either. Would you do it, Yvette? Would you do it, Miss Madeline? Mama, would you give your only son or daughter that I can live? I bet you don't do it. Come on, Holy Ghost, because of the love you have for that child. Abraham went to Mount Moriah. Abraham was waiting for Isaac. God promised him a child. Some 25 years later, Isaac's finally born. This was the promised child. This was the one that that God was going to make his descendants as the sands of the seas and as the stars in heaven be innumerable. But yet God asks him to go to Mount Moriah, go up there and kill him and offer him as a sacrifice. Now you think Abraham said, oh, yes, sir, Lord, I'll go do whatever you want. I bet he fought with God. Come on, Holy Ghost. I bet he fought with God. I bet he said, God, you promised me this child. Why would you take it away? 
I bet he didn't sleep that night. I bet his thoughts were uh, racked up in confusion. I bet his heart was troubled. Isaac, my son. My son, God, you promised you're going to take him? Now watch, he's put in a position to offer up the best thing he has. Does that remind you of somebody? <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Comes to the mountain, the Moriah, and then all of a sudden he tells that server, listen, you wait here. Me and the boy, we're going up to worship, and we're coming back. <laughs> he knew <laughs> God is not a liar. He knew if God would allow that boy to die, he'd raise him up. He knew. He had settled in his heart. It took a while, but he wrestled with God till he got to that spot where he realized that boy's coming back with me. And he had his God there, and he, he made the long story, he prepared the ark, I mean the, uh, the altar, and he picked up his knife. He was going to kill him. He said, Don't you touch it. An angel appeared to Abraham, said, For now I know you fear God. You wouldn't withhold your only son. You want to talk about love? You want to talk about commitment? You want to talk about devotion? We don't hear that. We just hear the love of God takes care of everything that we need. He covers everything, you know, that we need and whatever we go through. But it's nothing. You, the message you hear today is not, it has nothing to do with, on our part. It's all on God's part, right? It's not what you got to give up. It's not the life you have to sacrifice. It's not the life you have to give. It's all about what God's going to do. No matter how we are, no matter how we live, God's love is always there, and he'll take care of us. I don't believe that. I believe when you're going to make a commitment to the love of God and understand what the love of God is about, you're going to find out there's more to the love of God than just God giving you everything. It's a devotion and a commitment, first to the Father, then on down the line. If that is not settled in your heart this morning, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you something. If that is not the commitment, the love you have, you can tell me you love God. Okay. Show me, what, show me how to love God. Come on, Yvette. Show me, show me how to walk with God. Show me what, what God is doing in your life. I'm just picking on Yvette because <laughs> she's standing right. Show me how much, what the love of God means to you. Well, I pray. Well, that's good, but that's still ain't enough. Well, I read a scripture too in the morning. That's still not enough. <laughs> Do you want the love of God in your life? Do you want the love of God in your life? Let me read this, okay? And I'll, well, I'll tell you what. I have it right here. Don't let me read that yet. I'm gonna read, let me read you some verses, okay? God demonstrated, and this is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrated his love toward us. While we were still in sin, he loved us. How did he do that? He says, well, I'm going to save Lanny, and I'm going to save everybody here. And I'm, going to, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to show you how much I love you. See, that's not the, that's not the gospel we're hearing today. The, gov, the love of God in most churches is so weak. You know what I'm saying? We don't realize that God, Ray, gave his son for you. He gave Brother Allen the best thing he had. He demonstrated it by laying his son down and watching his son die on an old, old cursed tree. 
My Lord, you're looking at me funny. We're supposed to reflect that love to everybody that we come in contact with. When we go to the world and, and face the world, we have to remember that there was a demonstration of the love of God. And you have to pass it on to somebody else. Listen, you're never going to keep the gospel till you give it. <laughs> Listen to me. You're never going to keep what you have till you give it away. Right? Because it's never meant to stay in your little heart. It's meant to pass it on to somebody else. When you demonstrate the love of God, somebody is hungry and you can do it, feed them. Somebody is struggled and, and having problems. If you can help them, help them. If you know it's in your power to do something that demonstrates the love of God and you don't do it, something's wrong, right? Jer Let me just read this to you. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. My God. Thank God for his everlasting love. Thank God his love is never failing. Thank God his love is always present. I have loved you with an everlasting love. What it means? It will never quit. Come on, Jesus. I don't know about you. When I'm down and out, i got to rely on the love of God. It never fails. It's always present. It's always there. It never gives up. Hallelujah on me. Come on, somebody. That love will never give up on me. That love is my source. It's my strength. It's my, it's my life. It's everlasting. My Lord, I'm going to preach myself happy. <laughs> Come on. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me. Oh, wait a minute. What about those that don't love him? That's between them and the Lord. <laughs> but I know, he says, I love those that love me. I am for those that are for me. I am with those that are with me. Come on, somebody. The love of God is with those that love him. Now, he loved the world. He offered his son. He demonstrated while we were yet sinners, he died. When I didn't love him, he still died for me, right? When I didn't love him and I was walking in my sinful ways, he sent his son to die on the cross that I don't have to face hell. I can make things right if I wanted to. Somebody say, well, God don't love me. Yes, he does. He made a way. <laughs> he made a way that you don't have to die in your sin. But he's not going to make you accept it, right? He demonstrated that love by sending his son, but he's not going to make you accept him. God's love is sacrifice. I know people don't want to hear that. God's love costs the Father something. The most precious thing that he had to offer was his son. There was nothing more important to the Father than the son. There was nothing more important to Abraham than Isaac. Come on, somebody. But yet Abraham was going to kill his son. Because his love for God was greater than his love for his own son. Right? He realized that God was a real God. 
he realized he wasn't like these idols and these images that his family members were worshiping. I told somebody, I said, if you ever need comfort, try to hug one of them cold images you, 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 you worship and see if it'll bring you comfort. Try to see if they love you. Try to see, you know, if they're going to give you the peace you need, right? My Lord. <laughs> I remember reading in the scriptures exactly where, where they talked about, when it was Isaiah maybe, where he says you, you cut down a tree and you carve an image to your God and you praise it and you take the rest of the wood and you warm yourself in your, <laughs> your fireplace with it. What's the difference? You're going to bow to a piece of wood and then you're going to burn the rest of it to keep yourself warm? What a useless way to worship. What a useless, I was watching some of the thing about Queen Elizabeth today, a little bit on the news. I said, look at all this stuff. The glamour of it. The, 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 the praise of a, one person. And yet if that old lady didn't know God, you know where she's at today? She's burning in hell. Regretting one minute she didn't turn to Jesus. I, I get people mad when I say Mother Teresa was an idolatress. She worshipped Mary. She bowed to statues. All the good things she might have done is empty. Because if she didn't trust in the God of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible, if she didn't put her faith completely in what God did at the cross, She's lost today. And I can think of some family members right now, and I'm not going to bring no names up, that I know ain't right with God, and I know they didn't make things right. They're burning today. Some for years and years probably. Actually, for one drop of water to cool their tongue because they are tormented in that flame. God help us. You better thank God for his love because that's the reason why you're not going there. <laughs> Come on. That's the reason why you're not going to spend eternity separated from God. That's the reason why you're not going to burn forever. You're going to enjoy eternal peace, everlasting love that can only come from one person. And his name is Jesus, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the only place you're going to find everlasting love and peace. God so loved the world. <laughs> when God looked down on his creation, he says, listen, when I was talking about Noah, the Bible even says God repented that he had made man. He was sorry that he even made man on the earth. That's how bad they had gotten. When I turn that television on and I see the debauchery and the blaspheming and the supporting the things that God hates, you think God is happy? You don't think God is saying, I regret the day that ever made man on this earth. But because of his son, because of his son, because of the love of Christ, because of the price he paid, God has opened his compassion to this world. If it wants to turn, it don't have to burn. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. It don't have to face judgment without him. Abraham had an incident where when the two angels came, he was going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham came and, 
And Abraham said, Lord, if you find, and he goes down, he cuts 50 down, and he goes all the way down to 10. He says, if you find 10 righteous in the city, would you not spare it for the, he said, I'll spare it for the 10. Why? Because God loves the righteous. <laughs> God loves his people. He could have went down to one. Couldn't find one. Would you not spare the place for the ten's sake? Shall not the God of all the earth do that which is right? The only reason America is still standing today, and I'm going to tell you, and I ain't going to apologize, is because of the church. Because there is more than ten righteous. <laughs> Come on, in America. There's more than ten. In here, we got more than ten. That, that loves the Lord. The only reason he ain't burned this, this, this place to, the, to, to crisp is because of his love for his church. But it's coming a day. <laughs> he's going to catch us. <laughs> and he's going to take us out of here. <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. It's coming a day. I'm going to believe him. <laughs> Gonna leave this old world behind. Hallelujah. I'm gonna find my, my place with Jesus in the presence of Christ. It's coming. It's his promise because he loves me. That's why he's gonna do it. God never saw the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. That's what the scripture. God has not appointed his church unto wrath. Because God, as he pulled Lot out, vexed with the filthy conversation. I don't want to get on that because Lot had some problems. But God still saved him. Right? Noah got on the ark. The love of God closed that door. <laughs> See, Noah, he probably heard them people scratching on the, on, the, on the ark. He probably heard them hollering, help, save us. It's too late. Noah probably tried to open the door. God closed the door. <laughs> God shut the door. I gave them a space of 120 years to repent. They didn't do it. Noah's family, mama and daddy perished. His brothers and sisters perished. All these people that lived to 900-something years old, still alive, perished. Because they would not heed to the man of God who was preaching righteousness. That's what Noah was, a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. Hey, I'm building this ark. There's a flood coming. Come on. Come in with me. Help me. Let's get ready for that. Are oh, you stupid, old man? I mean, come on. Are you, you going to float that boat on the dew? There ain't a lake. For, what are you doing? God said he's going to judge it. And God's making a way that you don't have to go dr drown in the flood. I want that kind of love. <laughs> Listen, it seems like no matter what my children do, I still love them. Come on, Holy Ghost. No matter how far they drift from God, my heart still cries out for them because I love them. Do you feel that? <laughs> they come, Daddy. <laughs> I need your help. You know what I do, Yvette? I do it. I do it in a heartbeat. That's why I pray for them, Yvette. <laughs> That's why people not pray for them. That's why I cry out to God for their souls because it tear me up to know that they're in hell. And you think Jesus is laughing every time a soul is cast in hell? I can see his heart broken around the right hand of God. 
I could see him crying, tears running down his face. If they had only listened. If they had only, they'd only listened. I had my love there. They could have got saved. They could have come to me. But no, they chose to shake their fists in my face. But you know, the only hope they'll have is you. <laughs> if you don't pray, if you don't cry out to God with the love of God in your heart, if you don't reach out, Jesus paid the price. Jesus made a way that they don't have to die or you don't have to die and go to hell. He made a way. I want to preach that love, Sister Ethel. I want to tell people in Carter Homes, you don't have to die and go to hell. Whoever walks through that door, you don't have to die and go to hell. God loves you. He gave, made a way that you don't, you don't have to perish. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God. Hallelujah. He so loved the world. That love has to be in us as one of the fruits of the Spirit. I, was, I look at some people and I say, man, what's wrong with them? They're lost. I watch them walking down our street. I mean, look like they've been beat up with hell. And you know, you know sometimes I, I look at it and say, why are they wasting their lives? You know why? Because they don't know the Lord. Get, they have one girl that passes in front of my, I'm going to stop her. She looks like she's been in hell and high. I'm going to say, you know, Jesus. I was greeting the cat the other day, but she disappeared. Jesus makes a way. You don't have to live that life. You don't have, listen, I think about Rahab, the harlot. Listen, Rahab was a prostitute. Come on, somebody. She sold herself for money. But she looked upon the God of Jehovah. She saw a God that was real. She saw victory in the people of God and overcoming in the people of God. And she said, I, I fear this God. I want to know him. Because she loved God and before she submitted to the Lord, she saved the whole house. I don't want to get into the whole story, but a harlot, a prostitute. One day I want to preach about, about Gomer, not Gomer Powell, <laughs> Gomer the harlot. <laughs> when Hosea, the prophet, was told to take a, take a harlot to wife. And he married her. And Hosea loved her. But she wasn't satisfied with the man of God in her life. She went back to prostituting again. And started selling herself. And all of a sudden she was passing from man to man, group to group, whatever. And she, was, she, she used to probably be a beautiful woman, but she got raggedy. Sin had destroyed her. And she had nothing left to offer. And she was put on the auction block. Somebody had bought her, and she was on the auction block. Nobody wanted nothing to do with her. She looked raggedy. She looked, well, what happened to that beautiful little woman that, that used to have uh, uh, the most prettiest hair and the most prettiest eyes and, and, you know, fine body? She was nothing. She had gotten down to trash. She was, she was nobody wanted anything. No one paid a nickel for her. But there comes Hosea, 
Oh, my God, I don't know about you. <laughs> there comes Hosea, her husband. He says, I want that woman back. And I'm going to pray, pay top dollar for her. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm going to take, I want 30. Listen, the highest price was 30 pieces of silver. Hosea was going to pay that for her. He bought her back from her life of sin. He said, now, you're going to be for me. You're mine. You're not for everybody else. You're not going to go run around. You're not going to do the things you were doing before. I bought you with a price. And I prayed high for you when nobody wanted you. My God, hallelujah. When nobody wanted Lanny, hallelujah. Jesus paid the top dollar for me, hallelujah. When nobody wanted none of you, he paid top dollar for you. He gave all that he had. My God, come on, somebody. He gave everything that he had. When nobody wanted you, Yvette, everything that he had, he offered the best thing he had. He took all of his love, all of his commitment, all of his devotion, he gave it to you, Sister Ethel. When nobody wanted you, God loved you. <laughs> oh, man, I could feel the Holy Ghost in this place. God loved you. When I look at somebody, I have to have that in me. When I'm going to be a testimony for Jesus, I got to possess that love, okay? I got to know it's there. That's the only way I'm going to be effective as a Christian or as a child of God. If I can demonstrate that kind of love towards somebody else, when I look at somebody that has been beaten by life and life has torn them down and destroyed, can look and say, I still see a price in you. I still see something in you that could be changed and God could turn your life around. That's what I'm talking about. We get over there, we got little plain sermons. Oh, come to Jesus and everything will be all right. Love you, love God, love you. No, you don't know nothing about the love of God until you demonstrate what that love is about. Do you tell them what Jesus has done in your life? How you was in the place they were, lost in sin, dying and going to hell. He still loved you and he changed your life. I know people are listening on the internet. We, you know, listen, I'm speaking to somebody else maybe listening on the internet. Listen, don't forget, wherever you've been, if you turn your life to Jesus, he can turn your life today. You don't have to go back and continue living in the slop of this world. Amen? Come back. Let him change you. My God. Woo. God is good. God is good. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And I want you to turn there for a minute. But I'm going to read you a verse before that. But you can turn to John first. He commended his love. He, he, will, he, I'm sorry. he who has commanded, he who has the command, my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. You know, that's the problem with a lot of people. They, they, they can't find God's love in them because they don't want to keep his word. I said this and I said I'm going to say it again those are not 10 opinions right 10 commandments if we're not willing to follow Jesus listen we might be struggling in some things God ain't forsaken us see when I go sometime on a, on a road listen I hate riding bumpy roads in that old dump truck <laughs> come on somebody 
Listen, especially when the potholes all over. And, and listen, but I realize if I don't go deliver it, I don't get the money. I won't achieve. I won't, I won't, I won't accomplish. So I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing around. Listen. <laughs> but when I first started my business, I had, an old, I had my truck. And my, my brother-in-law, he passed, he, he, he passed away. But he had an old truck. Ray didn't have no shocks. <laughs> and, and, and when he would hit the bottle, I mean, that truck, I said, Lord, at least I got some air shocks. At least I got some, something to cushion me. But he don't have nothing. <laughs> and I said, how in the world he rides in that old beat-up truck? <laughs> but because I had some airbags, you know, on the truck, in the dump truck, you have airbags that kind of keep the, uh, the bed, the, the bed of the truck from hitting. But one time I busted him, and man, I was miserable. Oh, man. I said, I never thought how important <laughs> those airbags were. <laughs> See, most people, they, walk, they go through trouble, and they leave Jesus off, and they expect God to do everything. Them airbags are important, Sister Ethel. That love of God is important. That's your cushion. That's your airbag. That, that's what keeps you riding, even though the roads get rough. Right? Okay. Verse 7 of chapter 4, 1 John. John is called the love preacher, okay? He talks more about love than any other preacher or apostle. Remember, he's the one that laid on Jesus' breast. He heard Jesus' heartbeat. <laughs> Come on, Holy God. He put his head on and he could hear. He could hear the heartbeat of Jesus. Right? He wrote some things in his gospel that really none of the other ones wrote. Because there are some things that John wrote that you, the world don't understand. Nicodemus, like I said plenty of times, he came to Jesus by night. This, this man could quote the first five books of the Bible by heart. He knew all the prophets. And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Could he go a second time and his mother's womb be born? And I see Nicodemus was a Pharisee. I mean, I mean, Jesus said, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know this? That was just born of flesh. It's flesh. But that which was born of spirit is spirit. If, if, if Nicodemus would have been saved, he'd have understood that. Right? He'd have understood what, what, what has to manifest in a Christian's life, I believe his life, through the Spirit, which is love, one of the first things. And Jesus said, God so loved the world, in John chapter 3, verse 16, the same chapter. And he understood, he had to understand what the love of God was about. And Nicodemus, I believe he got right, I believe he's saved, I believe he's in heaven today. But you know, he didn't, he didn't understand it. You go to somebody that you ne never heard the gospel, and you say, you got to be born again before you get to heaven. You think they'll understand that? You go to some religious people that don't understand it. What is, what is what, to be born again? To be born again? And automatically, the natural man, the religious mind, well, can I go a second time in my mother's womb be born again? You missed it, Nick. <laughs> He didn't get it. <laughs> and John, 
is right in this very same passage of Scripture. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, how, how, how blunt is that? Let us love one another? For love is of God. Where did love come from? God. He's saying the feeling of love. That's not what he said, right? The emotion of love. That's not what he said. He said love is of God. What does God's love do? God's love demonstrates and makes sacrifice. That's what God's love does. When somebody calls you and says, well, I need prayer. I'm sick. You woke me up. Call me tomorrow morning. You tell me you love God. You call me when I'm up. Some preachers, you can't even get in touch with them because they're stuck on a golf course somewhere, uh, hitting a little ball in a hole when they should be ready to, to. Nothing wrong with that if you want to play golf, but come on, when the people of God call you, drop the, drop the, 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 the thing and go. Oh, that's my day off. You're never off as a, creech, a preacher or a Christian. Every day, every hour, every minute of your life, is to be devoted to serving the Lord. And I'm not saying you got to live constantly in the Bible, constantly in prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. But have the spirit of the Lord in you. Have the spirit of prayer in you. When you got a time to stop, say, God, I need your help. You know, that's all. He's always there. His, his, his spirit's in you. His love is in you. Not passing up the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. I just wait till the Lord leaves me. Yeah, and a lot of times you don't do anything. Because if you got to wait for the Lord, the Lord already told you. Go out and share the gospel. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead. I mean, what, 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 you see somebody hurting? Pray for them. You see somebody depressed? Pray for them. You see somebody struggling? Pray for them. Now, they don't want you to pray for them? Well, that's between them and the Lord. Right? But he says... For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He does not love, he, had, he who does not love does not know God. For he that doesn't love, you can't tell me you love somebody, you hate somebody, you love God. It's, just, it's not going to happen. For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent what? His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And in this is the love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Thank God. Right? Who started loving first? God started loving first. Who started making the commitment of love toward you? God started first. You didn't love God. Don't tell me you did. Well, I went to church. I don't mean you go love God. I did, you know, religious things. I don't mean you love God. I gave somebody some money. That don't mean you love God. But he loved you before you loved him. Right? You know, they got some wicked people who do good things. Come on. When they had that, that, that tsunami that here, what was that, that little nation Africa, uh, back of Cuba over there? Honduras, not Honduras, uh, Haiti. Man, every rock and roll star got together and every, every uh, 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 perverted person got a, raising money for Haiti. It didn't do nothing in the heart of God. It's bad when, 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 when the wicked are going to do more than the lost, right? If we can't reach out to the hurting, I doubt the love of God dwells in us. I don't want to be blunt, but it's the truth. I'm talking about myself, okay? 
I come here every Sunday with hope that somebody's life is going to change. I pray for the souls in this community. One day, the Holy Ghost is going to fall all over this place. And where are they going to be sitting at their, their table with a, a can of beer in their hand or a marijuana joint? Or, or, or uh, you know, a uh, husband was running around. on them. They're going to be sitting at their table and they're going to be shaking in the presence of God. Conviction come down upon them. They say, well, that'll never happen. Don't, let me, don't believe that. Because the Holy Ghost can go where I can't go, all right? They're shaking their, 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 their skin. Because of their sin. The fear of God will come upon them. That this place will be full one day. I'm hoping you and me is here, but the rapture might happen after that. <laughs> the rapture might happen. But it's going to be full one day. Somebody could be scratching on that door. Want to come in? I want God now. It could be too late maybe. Right? It's not too late now, right? I want to challenge every one of you in here. Let's pray for Coda Homes. And I mean pray every night. When you get on your knees, Lord, save this community. Send your conviction. Pour out your spirit upon this place. That people sitting in their houses of fear of God will come over them. <laughs> I've heard of revivals take place. I've heard of, listen, horses were falling down in the street. The power of God had fell so much back in the Susan Street. I mean, you should have read that stuff. I was looking at it and said, man, where have we been? Where have we been? Paul said, I didn't come with you to in word only, but indeed demonstrating the power of God. I've heard a testimony. I was, I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm saying, something we're missing. Something is wrong. They brought a man with a whole arm missing. Uh, his arm gone, brother Alan. And they prayed on the, the hand, started, the arm started growing back right in front of him. And he ended up, he had all of his hand, all of his fingers. I said, man, man, I want to see that. Thirty-five, a lady was testifying, 35 deaf people came to Isuzu Street. 35. And the, and the preacher asked the man that brought him, you, you wanted to lose your job? She was a sign language person. He said, you don't maybe, <laughs> tell that preacher, you don't think. I believe every one of them is going to be healed. He said, yes, they're all going to be healed. <laughs> 35 deaf people got healed like that, completely. My God, send us back to those days. You know where that come from? It come from men and women that sought God and prayed. That black brother from, uh, from Louisiana, uh, what's his name again? Boogie might know him. But anyway, he's the one that orchestrated Isuzu Street. And he did that. He would go to church and they didn't want him in the church. The white people didn't want him in the church. So he would sit at the back door and listen for, to the gospel. Didn't bother him that he would do racism in America. He would sit at the back door and he would listen. And God called him to Los Angeles. If you read the long story, sorry. God called him, and they, they rented an, a, a horse barn. That's what it was. Old dirt floor. And they had an upstairs. It was a building. I saw the picture of it. It had an upstairs room, and, it had, and the bottom is where they parked the horses. <laughs> and the miracles that God performed there, I couldn't. Listen, I said, I felt about that small. Because we say, I believe Jesus. Do we? Can we believe God for arms to grow back completely? 
35 deaf people, deaf eyes open. I mean, <laughs> deaf eyes, blinded eyes open. <laughs> the power of God. And it went on for three years, of, I understand. Night and day. 24 hours a day. <laughs> Seymour, that was William Seymour. That was, the, that was the brother's name. They wouldn't wait for a special preacher to come through. Whoever God anointed that day would preach. They didn't call for Jimmy Swaggart or Billy Graham or anybody like that. They, he said, you know, he sat in the back and he, he would put a box on his head and he would sit down behind him. He says, he didn't want nobody to notice him. <laughs> he didn't want to get there and say, oh, it's my power and glory that got that healing on you. He would sit back. <laughs> Can you see me sitting back here with a box on my head? Listen, he would sit back, and whoever got it, he, he wouldn't do all the preaching. God would, oh, man, I said, man, we, oh, we so, we so flicky, it's unreal. <laughs> it's just true, though, it happened. That's why most of the churches, like four square churches, the Assembly of Gods, and all the other churches, they came out of that movement. Now, you look at uh, uh, Jack Cohen, A.A. Allen. Listen, I saw some videos, but listen, would shake you. One that come to mind, it was a little, they called the monkey boy. He, the little boy was about nine, nine years old, I guess. He was no bigger than this. His legs were like spaghetti. The brother Allen would twist his foot like a dowel. There was no bones in his legs. Couldn't hear. Deaf, dumb, couldn't speak. He said, you know why? That, that boy's, your mom and daddy ought to be over here hearing the gospel. He said, it's, 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 it's the mom and daddy. The grandmother had brought that boy that day. Where's the mom and daddy? Well, they're living their life. They, you know, they love that son so much, they, they just did what they wanted to do. But to make the long story short, I don't want to get you what he was saying. He prayed, Ray, on that boy. I, I saw the video. He put him on his feet. And he started to walk. <laughs> he whispered in his ears. And he started to speak. I said, man. Well, and we're always talking about the moving of God. We're always talking about the, the, what God used to do. Why can't he do it here in Coda Homes again, right? Why are people got to die in that graveyard and be buried? And we don't have enough faith to raise a fly. And I'm not trying to be, where's the love of God? If the love of God and passions of God was in us, we would seek God and seek for their souls and seek for the miracle in their lives. <clears throat> God's love is real. But God's love is not a word. It's a promise. It's a commitment. I'm almost finished. And it. It says, God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that same verse, that he might, we might live through him. And this is the love of God. Not that we love him, but he loved us and sent his son to die for us, for our sins. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's what it says. If God so loved us, let me read you something in 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now about it, faith, love, or charity, Hope or faith, hope, and, and charity, the King James said, but the word means love. These three 
But greater of these is what? Love. Love causes man. I tell you, I could, I'm almost finished, but I could preach this to my, my heart could bust it out of my chest. Love causes you to do something. You might ask me for something. I say that quite often. But I'm going to tell you no, but let one of my children ask. Well, I won't go across the street for you maybe, but I'll go across the country for one of my children. Right? Because the love that I have, that commitment, that covenant that I have with my, my child is one of the greatest covenants I can make with a human being. Because my covenant with them, it seals my love for them, right? Even if I don't approve of what they do. My heart yearns for them, Yvette. My heart yearns for them. My heart, listen, I, I think about when I'm praying, please, God, don't let none of my kids perish. I don't want to see them burn for eternity. I, that, that bothers me. It bothers me so much. That it, it's, it's what I pray for. I don't want them to perish. God doesn't want you to perish. I'm almost finished. You know, sometimes in my life, I don't know about you, I feel kind of dry. I feel like God's a million miles away. There's times, this yesterday, I was looking on the internet. I like to, I like to hear Little kids sing about the glory of God. You ever listen to them little kids sing? There was two little Chinese children, a boy and a girl. They were singing, he brought me up so I can smile when we go. I said, man, listen to these look. And, and I heard that song so many times before. But them little kids singing it. And I watched ungodly people, tears running down their eyes. Because they were children. And man, they sang with such grace. I mean, such beauty, man. Listen, I said, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, God has perfected praise. Those little kids don't have to show off. They were just children. They didn't have to make a point, make sure who sounds better than who. And I cried. Listen, tears coming down my I had my hands in my, my recliner worshiping God. They had a couple of people around me. They, I don't care, man. Golly. golly. I, they were just the Holy Ghost. I could, it was yearning inside of me, man. I could feel the, the jiggling of the spirit, if you want to call it that. I could feel the yearning of God. I said, God, they put me to shame. I said, Lord, can I learn to love like those little children? Can I sing? With such worship that even the ungodly got to recognize it and notice something powerful about that name. There's something powerful about Jesus. Huh? Got one more verse. You don't have to uh, turn there. You remember I talked about Hosea? Here's a verse from chapter 2, verse 19. I will betroth you. To me forever. What does that mean? I will marry you forever. I've, I've, we, we have a, what you call before you get married, engagement. I betrothed you. You're mine, right? And God is saying that to us. I betrothed you. You're mine forever. Think about that, man. Come on. Think about it. God is saying 
Here, I betrothed you. You're mine forever. I don't care what the world thinks about you. You're mine, right? I don't care what people say about you. You're mine. I don't care if they criticize you and mock you and call you all. You're mine. That's all you got to worry about. If you look for the world for, for compliments, forget it. It ain't going to happen that often. If you're looking for someone to see you, listen, God is you're betrothed by the Lord. You're his. Before your own master. When I preach about to judge or not to judge, before your own master you stand or fall. Right? Before God, you are the one. He, you and God, is, 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 that's your relationship. He's going to judge you. But he says, I will betroth you to myself forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me. Now watch. In, the, in, in my covenant with God, there was a marriage that took place. I preached some years ago when I was in the Henderson Passing Church. I got some people mad at me. I said, my wife, because of our relationship together, she can see me like none of y'all could see me. Really? She could see me in my everyday life. She could see me dressed and undressed. She can sleep in the same bed with me. She, we share the same things together. I said, we have intimacy together. And, and, and I, I, looked, I said, you know what? I can tell how much you love God and how you treat your wife. <laughs> and they got some hard-nosed religion people that was, Mama, Mama, they were hard-nosed, man. They, they thought they were self and they were preachers of, of holiness and they thought they had it all together, but they were ignoring their own wife, pushing them aside. I didn't get too many amens. <laughs> Come on, somebody. If you have a wife or a husband that you're betrothed to and he takes care of you or she takes care of you, take it. Love it. Because there's something inside coming from God that makes him do that, right? Just because he don't tell you you love you every day, watch how far they go with you. How hard they work. How they go out there and try to make it happen for you because they love you, right? My God, somebody say amen or out or something. Because they know they committed their life to you and because they do it. Because they love you. Amen. I told somebody the other day, you know what? Somebody tells me they love me. I mean, that's, sometimes that's just words. When I was faced with some diehard stuff when I was coming here, I was working for the highway. I passed on a man and he died. And, and I thought, listen, you ever, listen, that was the worst day of my life. You know, he was, he was not where he was supposed to have been. He was flagging for my machine, and I was just backing up, doing my work. And he, died. he, went, he got caught on in the machine. And listen, my heart was broken. This same man, I preached Jesus to, and he laughed at me. Pamela, he went on, he'd, get, he'd get together with his buddies under, after work, and he'd, they're laughing at my, my faith. He was one of them. He would mock. Then turn around. He's under the machine. And I don't know, I hope he, his head was smashed like a melon. I mean, you should have saw the, the horrible, horrible. And look, I didn't know what to do. I said, God, how? How can you allow this to happen? 
Well, I know he's in hell today. How could, how could I find peace with that? Me and my wife, we went through so... Listen, she was carrying the weight with me. She was carrying that load with me. I had to... I was, I was just hurt, man. I was just destroyed. Do you know what helped me? I'm going to tell you right now. The people of this church... Call me. So I'm praying for you, brother Lenny. We love you. Well, I'm praying for you. I said, what if they wouldn't have been there? What if they wouldn't have just demonstrated God's love to me? And saw brother Lenny's important. I love brother Lenny. I don't want him to hurt. Today I'm perfectly at peace with it. I could have committed suicide. If I'd have been in the, listen, if I'd have been in the world, I'd have probably shot myself. That's how important <laughs> the love of God. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law, he's alive. They, they come to my house and listen. And they were there when these brothers and sisters called me. And they saw them call me. I said to myself, I didn't even plan it that. But they saw it. They saw the love that the people of God had toward me. Were these people all perfect? No, but they loved me. And God heard their prayer, brother. God heard them because they, they love me with the love of God. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know how many hours they prayed for me. I had one brother. He's a missionary. He called, I called him. Well, we used to talk. He was, he, he was in Argentina, I believe it was. Brother Cobb's boy. And I talked to him. He said, you know, Brother Lenny, he didn't know nothing. He said, God told me to pray for you. I said, how in the world could he know a half a world away what I was going through? He said, God told me to pray for you. And it was exactly at the time I was dealing with this stuff. Thank God for people that love God. Thank God for people that have the love of God. He prayed for me. Nobody told him what I was going through. He just knew in his heart that I needed to be prayed for. That's what I'm talking about. God is love. If you're needing something today, God is love. It's not words. It's power. It's not, God's love works in every believer that loves him. Right? And when I need you, God's love to come out of you, and you pray for me, that's what I'm talking about. When you're hurting and I go meet you and pray for you, that's what I'm talking about. It's not about to see who's more spiritual than everybody else, who can preach better than anybody else, who can be more, more accomplished in the church. It's loving each other. As God loves us. If I wouldn't have had them people that day, I might not be here. I'm going to be blunt with you. Because I saw something I never want to see again in my life. Never. And all the devil would just condemn me. Oh, he's in hell because of you today. You killed him. He's in hell because you killed him. He's in hell because you, you, should, you, you hear that stuff. Because Satan is evil. Satan hates me and he hates you. He's going to do everything he can to destroy your love for God. And he's going to do everything in his power to make sure you don't go to heaven. Because he hates God and he hates you.
and he hates that. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand up, praise God. Remember, it's the love of God that died on that cross. It's the love of God that made a way that you don't have to perish in your sin. God made a way that you can find hope and know that he is the way, the truth, and the light. I really don't have to do much but just accomplish those things that he told me this morning or yesterday. He said, you take care of, love me first. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Gave himself and love my house and love my people. See, you're his house. This is his house, the building, but you are his, you're his, his church. If I do those things, I have no problem. Oh, the world's going to not love me. The world's going to see you a nut. For, listen, I think about the time that I could go drive a truck, drop this and go drive a truck. Me, told my wife, I said, I can't want to I can make up to oh, $50 an hour someplace. Going across the country. But how much would it have been God's glory? I want you to say something. I've decided. Amen. Listen. Listen, if you're really serious, I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me and the cross before me. Don't nothing go with me. <laughs> I still will follow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.